Hello, welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, it takes a village to uplift a mother. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. Each week, I'll speak with a different guest, different expert on different parenting strategies, self-care tips, different ways that we can self-regulate ourselves. We're the moms. We are the nucleus of the families. And if we're good, then everyone else is good. So tune in each week to the Motherhood Village podcast. Hello and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I'm on with a very special guest. I have Justine Carino. Justine Carino is a licensed mental health counselor, an anxiety, anxiety treatment specialist, and the host of the Thoughts from the Couch podcast. And she offers modern and relatable therapy for teens, adults, and families in New York. Welcome, Justine. How are you today? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be on your show today. And I'm excited to speak with you. Okay, before we jump into the main conversation, what is your favorite book or one you would like to recommend? I like to ask this question because I think books allow us to have kind of different resources. It could even be a podcast, but really any resource that you'd like to share with my listeners. Sure. So me sitting and reading an actual book has <laughs> changed since I had my children, but I listen to a lot of audiobooks on Audible. Um, but, you know, right now I would recommend Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. If people have not read that yet, it's a few years old, but it's really all about how being vulnerable can help us live our authentic selves and create authentic lives reflective of what we value. And that itself leads to so much more fulfillment, better relationships, joy, happiness, direction. So I would say that would be my book to recommend. I love that. And I love Brene Brown. I love her um, thought process on a lot of different things. And I think once I became a mom, really understanding what that meant, right, to be vulnerable, I think a lot of that kind of coexists with motherhood. Um, who and what has been a part of your motherhood journey? I say what because I like I consider this podcast as, you know, a, a resource. I'm sure you can consider yours as well for parents, for mothers. So who and what has been a part of your motherhood village um, in your personal life and in your entrepreneurial journey? I, I love this question. So I would say first and foremost, it would be my husband and my mother-in-law and my mother, right? So it's family. Um, very lucky to have a very supportive husband who, you know, we split the time with the kids as best we can. We, we split, divide the household chores the best we can. So he is just such a a rock for me. Um, same thing with my mom and my mother-in-law. We're very lucky to have grandmothers and grandfathers. Um, I can't forget um, (laughs) my mom's husband who helps out a lot too. So our family members have really been so helpful as a part of our village. So them, family, we live close to family and I'm just, we're so blessed to have them participate in raising our kids when we're at work or taking them for a night so we can have a date night. Um, So I would say they're, they're part of my village. I love that. Okay, so tell me a little bit high level of your journey into becoming a licensed mental health counselor um, and what do you specialize in? I know, you know, you kind of help families, teens, but is it the anxiety portion? I know there's so many um, different ways, I guess, when we talk about psychology, when we talk about therapists, licensed mental health counselors. So talk a little bit about your journey and kind of what you specialize in. Sure. Um, I would say probably as young as like high school, Mm -hmm. I realized that I really liked 
talking through things with people. I was someone that got along really well with the people around me. Um, I facilitated some really good friendships in high school that I still have today. And so I took a psychology intro class, I believe, as a senior in high school, loved it. And when I went to college, I actually thought I was going to become a psychiatrist. And Mm. I was pre-med. And very quickly, I realized that was not the route for me. I was crying before every chemistry exam, the science of it all. I just could not keep up with. Um, So then I majored in psychology and I was like, you know what, this is actually the fit for me. I wanted to do psychotherapy, um, which led me to graduate school to become a mental health counselor. So that's kind of how it got started. Um, Over time, I explored different parts of mental health and what really resonates with me over the past five years is treating anxiety disorders Mm. and depression, but mostly anxiety disorders. And we've seen that really skyrocket over the past few years since the pandemic. Um, My bread and butter is really teens and their families. Um, So a lot of teens with obsessive compulsive disorder, generalized anxiety Mm. disorder, social anxiety, um, phobias, you name it, and how the they can move through that diagnosis, but also how the family can help support them move through that. But I also treat depression. I do a lot of grief support for teenagers that lost a parent, Mm. um, which kind of just came my way one day and I fell in love with that work. Um, So I made some connections in the area with the local bereavement centers. Um, But I also do see couples, but I would say the majority of the people I work with are like 15 through 30. Wow. Kind of that young adult age. Wow, that's that's big. And I know you mentioned, um, you know, during the pandemic, and we see, right, Surgeon General Warning kind of issued something that teens and tweens, right, with the mental health, I guess the loss of connection, because we kind of really lost some pivotal time, although we were together, but they lost out on their like friendship, which I, I guess the, it's kind of funny in a way in that aspect. But um, do you also think that we're, because we're talking about it more, um, that anxiety and depression is at this all time high, I guess, from your profession of you? Because it's like, now you hear it everywhere. Is, is it a great thing? Because now we're more vocal about it. We're trying to break the stigma behind it. And I think also I've heard other people say to understand that it's not a weakness, that it's just something that we feel, you know, it's just a part of what it is. And it's, it's helping you kind of deal with it, especially to seek out someone like yourself. Um, but yeah, do you think it's because it's becoming more normalized to speak about that we hear about it and that it's kind of always been there and the pandemic just kind of like threw it out out there for everyone to be like, oh, we have an issue here. It's a great question. So I love that mental health and therapy is like front and center as conversation mm-hmm. in the media. Sure. I, was watching, I, watched, I watch a lot of reality shows <laughs> and I believe Housewives of New Jersey, like Teresa and another one, they were all talking about going to therapy. I'm like, yeah, like they're talking about therapy openly. And then my husband and I watch Vanderpump Rules and one girl was on there like, you need to go to therapy. I'm like, yeah, yeah. we're talking about therapy. These are, no one talked about it before. No. right? And then in TV shows, it's talked about, it's talked about online. Like therapists have Instagram accounts. I have an Instagram account. That did not exist really pre-pandemic. Yeah. Um, so I love that's a part of mainstream culture. I think the catch is because it's part of mainstream culture, a lot of misinformation is shared and there's an overuse of a lot of terminology. So there's a difference between having anxiety because we all, every single one of us have anxiety. 
it's a normal emotion mm -hmm. that we were designed to have to protect ourselves. Um, but then there's an anxiety disorder. Mm. And I think sometimes we mix up the two because we can generalize it. And I think, unfortunately, um, I especially see this with like the, the teens and young adults. Like they'll come into my office and they're like, I'm a kleptomaniac. And I'm like, where'd you get that from? And they'll yes. pull up the TikTok and be like, oh, well, this TikTok person said I'm a kleptomaniac. Like, okay, we have a lot of correcting. And then another one, am I a sociopath? I'm like, where'd you get that? Well, on TikTok, this influencer is known to be a sociopath. So there's a lot of corrective language that has to happen with yeah. our young adults. Adults are better at being like, Ugh, I, I'm not going to read into this. Um, so I think it's good and it's bad. It's dependent yeah. on what's behind that conversation. I agree. I, I spoke to another, I have a licensed mental health counselor that comes, an anxiety support specialist to some of my support groups in person. And she speaks a lot about that. And she's like, if your kids ever come to you and say, I learned this on TikTok, you got to kind of have the poker face and say, okay, tell me more. Don't completely dismiss it. She's like, because this is where they're getting their information. She's like, but try and work through it. So I'm glad you brought that up because there is, I think, a lot of misinformation and kids are automatically like, it's almost like when we would look up the web MD and it's like, oh, I have this disorder. It tells me I'm going to, you know, I should be in a coma right now because of whatever it is. It kind of heightens. I think we have so much information at our fig fingertips. But I want to talk to you because you um, do have 10 plus years experience in cognitive behavioral and family systems techniques. Can you explain a bit about what that means and maybe how are some of these techniques that families can implement? How does it work? Speak on that a little bit. For sure. So, I'll start with um, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is known as CBT. It's very popular um, because it's well-researched um, and it's taught in many graduate school programs. And there's a lot of advanced training that therapists can take to teach this um, to their clients. And the, the basis of that is a situation happens to us in our lives. Then we interpret that situation with our thoughts. Mm -hmm. The way we think about that situation will then trigger certain emotions to come up. And then those emotions lead us to act in a certain way. So for example, let's say your child gets off the bus, they're in kindergarten and says, mommy, um, my friend on the bus punched me and kicked me and told me he doesn't want to be my friend. So then we interpret that situation in a certain way. Oh my goodness, my, my son is hurt. He's being bullied. And the list goes on, right? So then those thoughts lead to panic, anxiety, worry, stress. The action that probably follows is a call to the teacher, trying to locate the bus company. Maybe you talk to the bus driver, find out what happened. So that's just a basic pathway. Sometimes our thoughts um, are very rational and appropriate to the situation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're irrational and don't really equal the situation, and they lead to feelings of irrational anxiety. For example, an irrational reaction could be your boss says, sends you an email, can you stay after today? I want to meet with you. I need to talk to you. Maybe in your mind you say, oh, my God, I'm getting fired. Today's yeah. the day. Today's the day. I'm getting fired. I can't believe it. You text your partner, get ready. Like, we're going to have some financial stress. My boss wants yeah. to talk to me. I know it's because I was late the past three weeks. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You go to the meeting, and he's like, I actually want to talk about a promotion. Right? <laughs> so then it's like, and you're like, oh, my God. Why yeah. couldn't you tell me that before? All day I'm nervous. So sometimes the way we think about things triggers a response in us that leads to anxiety mm -hmm. that is unnecessary. 
but we didn't get those responses out of nowhere. A lot of it has to do with our past traumas, our life experiences, um, personality types that lead to the interpretation of those thoughts. So in CBT, we try and piece out what's a rational thought, what's irrational, and if it's irrational, where did that come from? So gotcha. that's the CBT, and that works really well for treating anxiety and depression. Um, and then the family systems is, um, I'm trained in Bowenian family systems theories, and Bowen was a psychiatrist back in the day who began to treat people um, by including their family members. Okay. Because back in the day, it was very isolated. Like if you had a mental illness, you were sent to a psych hospital. We didn't, you didn't see your family for a long time, blah, 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 blah. These people were sent back home and the symptoms still persisted after the medication, after the therapy. And so he discovered what we're missing a big portion of how the family is involved with mental health. Yeah. So that being said, um, in today's world, I have to include parents and siblings and family when I'm working with my teens. If I'm working with an adult, I go back in time and I try to understand what was their family like growing up? What is their relationship with their family today? Are they cut off from their mother and brother? How does that add to their anxiety? What role did they play growing up the family? Were they the perfect child because the siblings were so bad or maybe the parents' marriage was so bad, the only time they saw their parents happy is when they were bringing home the A's and they were the captain of the soccer team. So that's more of the family systems work. And with a lot of people, I combine both. I'm kind of eclectic. I'm seeing what works with both. Let's use both. Which makes sense, right? I would imagine they can go hand in hand depending on the situation and what is needed at the time. Um, I know you have a signature online program that I want to talk about because I know you mentioned teens and some couples and things, but I know you have some resources for stressed out moms. I'm a mom. This is another podcast. We have moms that are listening. Can you speak about the path to peace? Um, what are some key takeaways a mom would get after taking the course? What made you start it? Was it due to your own? Because you're a mom as well, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, what kind of started that? Was it things that you just saw? Was it also out of your own need? And maybe speak a little bit about the course itself. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So what's interesting, like what I do as a therapist is like an intervention. Mm. Things are already bad and someone needs a lot of help and I'm there to intervene and move them past it. With my online course, I view it as preventative right? This is some, these are strategies you can learn right now to try and prevent your anxiety from getting worse, prevent your stress levels from getting worse, so on and so forth. What I, the tools that are in this online course, they're very simple and they're standard of what I saw working over and over again with my clients, my one-to-one clients. So after like six months of doing the same cognitive behavioral techniques, the same mindfulness strategies, helping people create boundaries in their lives and mental health routine, I kind of put a curriculum together and I was like, wow, the the people that are doing these steps are in and out of my office faster than the people that I'm not doing this with. I bet you there's other people in the world that would, could do this themselves at home. Like they don't have to be in the therapy room. Um, That being said, part two of that is I have two kids, they're five and two. My daughter was born during the pandemic Mm. and it was extremely stressful for me uh, because life was just wild at that time. And I was so stressed out trying to parent little children, but run a private practice. So then I was like, I am now the stressed out, anxious mom. 
And so it's like personal to me because I was like, I put things in place to help move myself through that stress. I want other moms to be able to do that. So then I kind of tweak the course to talk to those moms that are like, I love working. I love my kids. I want to do it all. I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, but now I'm I'm screaming and yelling and I'm irritable and I don't want to be this way. And I'm realizing I'm this way because I'm so stressed out. What can I practice at home? So that's what that course is about. I love it. I love how you say it's prevent it's preventive because I think therapy, yeah, you know, that's a different thing, right? We're kind of talking, we're, we're breaking it down, finding solutions where the course and from what I'm gathering from it is like, look, if I'm a stressed out mom, like, just tell me some quick strategies that I can, can get through this to help me so that when I am feeling stressful. Um, now you mentioned the perfectionist, right? And I think in motherhood, um, I had heard someone use the term, like we want to be the wardens of our families. And I thought that was so true. I'm like, oh gosh, like we have to control everything. And maybe not all, because I've definitely run into some moms that have that. And I kind of admire that where they're like, go with the flow. And they're like, no, we kind of, and I'm like, not in this house. Like, I'm like the schedule, the this. And if we're not in line, especially when my son was first born, like he had to take those naps. What do you think um, this perfection, these perfectionist type moms, the type A moms, the, um, you know, why are we more, um, I guess, uh, you know, apt to become um, uh, burnt out, right? We hear burnout. Why is it? Is it because we're trying to do too much? Is it because we're trying to control? And and I guess, how do we eliminate that? Um, I know taking the course and and things like that, but why are we a little bit more prone to kind of getting burnt out? Yeah, totally. So I think perfectionistic mothers were perfectionistic 20-something-year-olds. They were also perfectionist college students, high school students, and children. So they didn't just become that way. I think that's like in their personality since childhood that they've tried to be perfectionistic. But I think the perfectionists, the overachievers, the people pleasers, they're susceptible to burnout. And they're actually um, more vulnerable to developing anxiety disorders as well, research shows. And it's because these types of personalities take on way too much and have very high or unrealistic expectations of what they can actually produce or handle in Mm -hmm. a given amount of time. And we have difficulty knowing our own boundaries around when to stop. Almost like this insatiable dog. Like, I want to do more. I want to do more. I want to perform. I want to do. I want to be. And they're never fully satisfied. They never really celebrate what is happening. They're on to the next. So these type of women, these type of mothers are doing this in their career They're also doing it with their kids. They're also doing it with their friendships. They're also doing it with their marriage. And you can't juggle all that perfectly at once. Um, And so they they adjust their boundaries to produce an outcome. And those boundaries get loose. And their time and energy is just depleted. Um, And it gets rough. That's where people end up getting an anxiety disorder. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting because I talk to a lot of women on my podcast and a lot of us who come from that corporate background, like I, I'm, I'm sure you've seen this and maybe there are stats I haven't done in the research that a lot of women who are in corporate or have those high positions in a corporate role kind of tend to have those type A perfectionist personalities, but that has gotten us to a successful level, right? If I look back, I'm like, well, did that really harm me? Because not having a family, I was killing it. I was, you know, I doing all the things. But now to your point, the family aspect comes into place and we can't do it all. Um, Can you share some things and maybe some tips that moms can do to prevent the burnout, to eliminate some of that anxiety? Never had really anxiety. Again, like I said, it wasn't until my son came that it all came 
kind of to head, which makes sense, right? Because I was the child growing up. There were family problems. I was always the good girl, always the one who got the good A's. I wanted to do the right thing because my parents had their own issues. So you speaking that, it's like, yeah, it makes sense that I am the way I am now. Um, But it does come, right? right? It comes to head. Can you speak on maybe some tips and share some things that moms can do? Maybe things to look out for when they are starting to kind of like, oh, wait, I'm... um, starting to feel this or here I go doing this, maybe share some tips in that way as well. For sure. So I would say like, I could talk about this all day. So yeah. <laughs> like two, like two that are yes. of mine right now. Um, so one thing that is a key, like whenever a client says to me, like, I am just so burnt out. The first thing I want to audit and assess is their boundaries. Right. And I hinted to this before. Yeah. So there's a lot of talk online about like what a boundary is. So maybe I can explain that a little. So we have physical boundaries, right? That's more easily understood. We also have emotional boundaries. We have relationship boundaries. We have boundaries with our time, our energy, our need, um, what we're responsible for with other people. And our boundaries also tell other people how they can treat us um, and send a message about what's acceptable and what isn't. And if someone's burnt out, they most likely ignored one of their boundaries somewhere. And it's usually with their time, energy, or resources, if we're talking about the perfectionistic mom. Um, So if a person can set the line of the amount of hours they can spend working or how much they give of themselves to other people realistically in a week or in a day, um, if they can get more comfortable with saying no, then the rest or release that they get from this actually helps them do better at work, be a better mom, be a more present mom, be a more um, present spouse or reduces conflict. So the opposite happens. We think if we say no, things are going to get worse. But when we say no, we rejuvenate and we feel a better version of ourselves and can actually perform in our career better. And we can actually show up as a mother or spouse better. Um, So people need space from work and relationships Um, to get in alignment with who they are and what they really want of themselves. Um, And then second, I would say it's really important to constantly assess and get clarity on what you value right now. And that clarity can help guide your decisions around how you spend your time, what your priorities are, who are the people in your life you currently should spend time with or can take up space in your life right now. Um, I do a lot of value clarification exercises with my clients to help them get to know what their values are. It's tricky to figure out. It's like, do I value presence? Yes. Do I value achievement? Do I value time? Like, it's, it's yeah. confusing. Um, but what you value as a mother right now is not what you valued 20 years ago. And it's not what true. you valued when you were single or didn't have kids. So yeah. we have to constantly assess. And then those values guide it decision. I'll give you a quick example. I I work with a teenager and the mother, she's amazing. um, And she got promoted to like a top, top position. And it was like such a beautiful thing. But quickly she learned there's no way I can do my job in this top position Mm -hmm. and be the mother I need to be for my child who struggles with mental health. Like I, I can't do it. And my needs are at home. And she ended up resigning from the position, you know, going to another company. And to, for her to give up that achievement role was rough yeah. but, and painful and uncomfortable. But she valued B 
being there more for her daughter and wanted to have more presence right now for a daughter who's struggling with mental health, that she had to make that decision. And I think a lot of us go through similar situations. Yeah. And I think, I think the pandemic has made us realize that as well, right? Of understanding the unknown. There's so many things that came out of that. I think for better or for worse in that aspect, because like I said, you hear all of this on the one hand that especially young children of what they've had to kind of go through with the the depression and anxiety that kind of came out from that. But then on the flip side of parents, particularly mothers, understanding like, well, wait a minute. I know for me, I had to leave corporate because I the two employers that I worked for during that time were not giving me any support. And I said, well, I need to be here for my child. Like at that point I forfeited a high salary, all the things that maybe over five years ago mattered to me that didn't matter to me anymore. I was like, I don't care about that. So it's, it's interesting how kind of things have changed, but my heart goes out to that mama. Cause I can imagine um, kind of what she had to go through for that. So thank you for sharing. Um, I wanted to ask you, what is independence anxiety? I saw that on your website when I was doing research, and I know it's more towards the the children or the teenage aspect, but speak on that because I do have a lot of moms that have come to me and have asked and said, listen, I love how everything is like peaceful parenting and all these things for like up to like maybe five to seven years old. And then after that, it's like, okay, sorry, we don't know how to help you raise your teens or tweens. So maybe speak on some things for those that are raising the teenagers and the tweens that are kind of in that stage. What is independence anxiety and maybe some tips for parents to connect with their teenagers and their tweens. Yes, I love this question. You know, it's funny because I have two blog posts on my website about this topic, about independence. And they are my most viewed pages on my website. And my website, I'm just fascinated by that. And I can tell you how many views these blog posts have received and how many young adults from all over the world email me. They're like, I read this. Can you give me a tip or what should I do? So I'm like, wow, this is such a need amongst our youth about the this independence anxiety. Okay. So what is independence anxiety? Well, it's the anxiety that someone feels about becoming more independent. And a lot of teens and young adults go through this. It's very common. And independence anxiety can tell you what you aren't capable of doing on your own. It will say like, you're not capable of doing this. It's like the voice in the back of your head. Like how da- it's like imposter yes. syndrome. How dare you think you can go to this college or get this job or live on your own. Sure. Um, and it, it makes you feel small. It makes the young adult feel really small and it makes you feel really insecure and afraid of failure. You know, right now this week for a lot of, um, college students I see it's graduation Uh they're graduating for college I can't tell you the past three weeks how many conversations I've had with these college students saying like I can't believe it like I I I don't think I'm capable of getting a job and working a nine-to-five I don't think I'm capable of living on my own and and making my own income and becoming independent so I think it's a thing that a lot of people are feeling and I can't help but think a little of it is because of the pandemic right I think when it hit, college students were sent home. Everyone was back home for the most part living in their families of origin. And now they were freshmen in college, which happened. They got back to school and now they're supposed to go out on their own. There's a lot of expectations and they're nervous about it. Um, so it's it's common. Um, but I think that's an all or nothing point of view that these kids have is like, I either have to graduate and get the best job there is and make a certain salary mm-hmm. and completely, you know, buy my own apartment next week, 
or I'm a failure. And what I try to say is there's so many in-between steps we need to look at. Like step one is you move home from college. Step two, you get a job. Step three, then you decide if you want to live on your own and what that looks like. So I think also because of social media, all the comparison, well, Johnny has a six-figure job and he has this nature and I don't have one. So that adds to it. Too. Yeah. And maybe just share some tips that parents can connect with those, like what they can do to, do they give them space? Do they say, look, I'm here for you. Do they just say, look, I'm there when you want to talk? Because I remember being a teenager, I only have a five-year-old, but not wanting to be bothered. And even sometimes as an adult, like I want to be able to control and go to my parents, even now at my old age, um, I don't want to be bombarded necessarily with all of that. So maybe just share some tips. Cause this is great. We're heading into graduation and kids are kind of, you know, going, so maybe share there that they can connect and not feel overwhelmed or not overwhelm their children. For sure. I would do a lot of validating, right? As parents, we want to fix, we want to fix, fix, fix. I have an idea that I can fix that. Why don't you call my best yeah. friend tomorrow who owns this company and get you an internship, yes, right? Yes. We want to fix and do it for them. That's annoying as hell for them. They don't want They don't want you to do that yeah. right now. They want you to validate. This is a scary time. This is overwhelming. But one day at a time, and that's all we have to worry about. What can you do tomorrow that's going to make you feel a little bit better? What can we do today? Let me make you feel better. But validate. This is scary. This is new. Change is uncomfortable. When I graduated college, I did this or that or your brother or your cousin. Um, So just validate, validate, validate how scary and uncomfortable this change is. Two, I would say, um, when you're talking about it, don't sit like face on, head on. Body language matters. And I think teens and young adults open up better when you're side by side. So that's like a car ride. Like, hey, you want to run an errand with me to CVS? They're in the passenger seat. Talk that way. They're more likely to open up. Or, hey, you want to watch a movie with me? You're side by side on the couch. It's less threatening. It's more casual. You just, you know, casually bring in questions. Um, But I wouldn't pressure, right? I wouldn't say you need to do this by a certain time. Obviously, if it's an extreme situation and you have a failure to launch child, that's a different conversation. We're just talking about the independence anxiety and and getting on the ground. Um, So I would start there. I would do casual side-by-side conversations, um, validate as much as you can, and don't be the fixer. They Give them the space to figure out what they need to do. Don't be applying to jobs yeah. for them because I have a lot of parents that get on Indeed and they're sending the resume out. Don't do that. Yes. You're tempted, but don't do I love it. that. Thank you for sharing. Um, so I know you're based in New York. How can people connect with you? I know you have the course, so maybe speak a little bit more of the programs that you offer. You mentioned the blog, the resources that you have on your site. And is it just in New York? Do you also do virtual? Do you do groups? Talk on all the things that you or how they can work with you. Sure. So I am licensed to provide psychotherapy only in the state of New York. Um, And I do that in person and virtually all throughout New York State. I do offer what we call coaching services for anxiety coaching. And that can be done anywhere in the world. The biggest difference is with coaching, you don't get reimbursement from your insurance Mm -hmm. company. With therapy, you do. So that's one of the biggest differences. Um, that being said, I'm able to support people outside of New York State under the coaching guidelines. Um, I have a podcast, as you mentioned, Thoughts from the Couch. So that's more geared towards the type A stressed out working mom. Um, my course is geared towards that, the path to peace. 
Um, and that's it. That's that's what I am. I have um, my website is carinocounseling.com where you can see my services. I also have my blog there and my podcast hosted there as well. And on Instagram, I'm thoughts from the couch. I love that. Um, do you have any final thoughts, Justine, as kind of we wind, wind down here? Thank you so much for sharing some really, really impactful, I think, tips and things that moms and parents just need to hear. Um, and thank you for the work that you do. But any final thoughts before we kind of part ways? I would just say to the moms that are parenting right now, things are harder than ever. They're harder in different ways than our grandmothers and our mothers had to deal with. Listen, they had their own hard stuff, too, that they've come through. And we have their role modelship um, and mentorship of, like, what we could do differently from what they did. And But they really set the stage for the idea of, like, women can be ambitious, too. And women can have careers, too. And women can be good mothers while doing that. But it is hard to do it all. And um, just know you can't do it all at once, right? Not all at the same time, but there's ways you can live life with a little less stress, a little less anxiety, and just slow things down and live a life that's in alignment with what you value. That's what you're going to feel good about if you're following your own path in motherhood. I love that. Thank you so much, Justine, for coming on, for sharing, again, like I said, um, really informative tips and strategies and for all the work that you do. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their motherhood village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.